first. It's a little disappointing that there's only, there's only 15 of us here today. But if you consider it uh, on actual Ascension itself, there's only 11 people watching this historic event. So basically, we've outdone the apostles on this great feast. And so what is the significance of the Ascension? I want to spend some time especially reflecting on four different theologians. St. Athanasius, a church father from the 4th century, St. Augustine, um, St. Clair of Assisi, and a modern theologian, Father John Hardin. And how we can understand the ascension, how, what it, it, what, how we understand sin, how the ascension reconciled that, and what that means for our own life. So the ascension in itself marks the end of Christ's earthly journey in bodily form. It's 40 days exactly after his resurrection that he ascended up to heaven. But he remains with us. The way that he fulfills his promise that he would never leave us orphans, that he would remain with us always, is by leaving us his presence in the most blessed sacrament. So that no matter what, wherever there's a Catholic church, we can always remain in the presence of Christ. But the ascension marks the end of his bodily journey on earth. And it's also a time for us to consider our final end of our own ascension, that we have a bodily experience on this earth for one lifetime. And it is the church's teaching that our bodies will come up with us in the second resurrection to remain with us for all eternity. So it's a time for us to ask, how will I end my days on this earth? You know, St. Benedict had that famous saying, keep death always before your eyes and you will never sin. Remember your end. Remember what everything is going towards at the end of your life. And that will keep you properly oriented to make the right decisions in the meantime. So first we need to understand what are the effects of sin? When we sin, we were essentially turned away from God. And God, who is being in life itself, when we turned away from him in the garden to take the apple, what we were doing was worshiping the creature above the creator. And St. Athanasius wrote a book in the 4th century called Why the Incarnation? Basically, why did God become man to redeem us? And he talks about this fall in the garden. He begins by saying that God created us for immortality. He created us to live forever, but through him and in him who is life and who is perfect being and never changes. But after we sinned, we became less than God. We became less than ourselves. So when we worship the creature, we were left to become like the creature, the creature that is always moving towards non-being and non-existence. He says towards unbecoming. So he states that after Adam and Eve were made to live forever with God, but when we turned to creatures, we became impermanent and therefore impermanent like creatures. He says, instead of remaining in the state in which God had created them in immortality, they were in process of becoming corrupted entirely, and death had them completely under its dominion. For the transgression of the commandment was making them turn back again according to their nature. And as they had at the beginning come into being out of non-existence, so were they now on the way to returning through corruption to non-existence again. So sin has always been an understanding of inordinate love of creatures. It's like just like a temptation. Whenever we have a temptation, we always have the idea that I will get life, I will get happiness, I will get joy and completion when I get this thing that I desire so much. But what is the effect that usually follows after we have sinned? 
It's an emptiness, right? A desolation, a sorrow. Often we feel more anxious and confused. What that is, it's, that's unbecoming. Our being disperses. So the closer we come to God, the more we come in integrity with ourselves, the more whole we become. And that yet the more that we go after what is sinful, the more we worship creatures, our being begins to fragment and we become confused of who we are and where we are and what we're made for. So St. Clair talks about this. We become what we love and who we love shapes what we become. If we love things, we become a thing. If we love nothing, we become nothing. Imitation is not literal mimicking of Christ. Rather, it means becoming the image of the beloved, an image disclosed through transformation. So when we're loving Christ, we're not just doing what Christ does. We're not just remaining distant from him. We're actually being transformed into Christ. And that's the reason why the ascension, the link to our ascension is faith in Christ and love for Christ. Because what that does is it unites our hearts in heaven with him so that we become like him while we're still on this earth. We remain in integrity. So the, com- the ascension itself is the completion of the paschal mysteries of Christ. It wasn't enough that Jesus just suffered for us. It wasn't enough that Jesus just died for us. And it wasn't enough that Jesus merely rose from the dead. He had to complete the loop of coming from the Father, assuming our fallen human nature, and then returning us after his death and resurrection to the Father. So this is the closing of the loop. And um, theologians teach us that Adam himself was meant to be the first priest, the link between heaven and earth. As human beings, we're not the difference between us and angels and animals. Animals are pure matter. Angels are pure spirit. What are human beings? Spirit and matter. So human beings, by our very nature, were a bridge between what is material and immaterial. And that's what a priest is. He's a bridge. So Adam was supposed to be the first bridge between the Garden of Eden and God through the means of the tree. And yet what Adam ended up doing is he grasped the the fruit for himself. He obeyed Eve and therefore worshipped the creature and broke that bridge. He was no longer a bridge to God. And ever since then, we could never reach heaven. That's why they're, they're saying no matter all of religion is born of the human heart, striving to get back to heaven, striving to get back in union with God. But that's why it's the, the Catholic teaching that it's only through Jesus Christ that we can be saved because only Jesus Christ, who descended from heaven, assumed our flesh and returned to heaven, has actually completed the loop. And that's why Jesus Christ is the only priest, the high priest, because he is the mediator between this world and heaven. And so the ascension of that is the closing of the loop. It's the completion of Christ's priesthood that we read about in Hebrews today. So it's also a promise. The ascension is the revelation of a promise, a promise for our own human body that we're not meant for this earth, that this earth is not our destiny, that no matter where we go, what we accomplish, who we become in life, it will never be enough because this is not our resting place. Our destiny 
is heaven. But that promise is not free. That promise of our bodily resurrection comes with a condition. Salvation is conditional. It's always conditional. That's why St. Paul always refers when he says to the resurrection, if we die in Christ, then we shall rise with Christ. If we allow the death of Christ to be lived out in our bodies, then we will allow his resurrection to take us up. We too must go through our own paschal journey of death, resurrection, and ascension. So like Christ, our bodies must pay a price for our salvation. There's always a price for salvation. It's where Father John Hardin comes in. He says, what is the price? The price is pain with our body. Suffering is a condition for our bodily resurrection and our bodily ascension. All the sufferings of the body, all the trials of our body, all the resisting of the temptations of the body, all the control of our bodily passions, all the sacrifice of our bodies, all the acts of charity that we have got to practice with our bodies, the very fact that you have come to church today with your body, making that sacrifice, all of this, we believe, is to be rewarded. Today is then both the promise of our reaching heaven with our bodies but it is also a sobering condition. Jesus always says, just as I have done, so you must do. He never says, I did it for you, end of story. But he also says, without me, you can do nothing. So we cannot go through the death process and the ascension. We cannot make the proper sacrifice with our body to get to heaven without Jesus Christ, because only he who has descended can ascend in us. That's why he told his apostles, go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the power to live for heaven, to sacrifice our bodies for that time. And that's why sanctity in our life, it takes conviction. We must be deeply convinced in our flesh that salvation is worth it, that the sacrifices to get to heaven are worth it. We must have deep faith to be convinced of this. And I told you about the story of a man, an individual I met um, not too long ago, who basically opened up to me that he had been unfaithful to his spouse for years. And when I tried to use every kind of logic to talk him out of it, his basic argument was, look, we're young, we got one life to live, we might as well get what we can before it's all over. And he pointed to some old man walking into the store at that time. He said, that, see that guy? That's, that's who we're going to be in a couple of years. And then it's all over. So without faith in heaven, without faith that our sacrifices will be rewarded, it is very hard for us to conceive of making the proper sacrifices to get to heaven. And the ultimate sacrifice that we can make really is the priesthood, the consecrated life, the religious life, because that's investing everything in that promise. That's why to the degree that you are going to make sacrifices in your life for heaven will also determine your faith. The more faith I have in heaven, the more I can endure the sacrifices I make of my body. But that's also why in our society today, we just see more and more hedonistic culture, right? Of trying to get as much pleasure as we can 
That's because without faith in heaven, there's no reason to sacrifice our bodies here and now. There's absolutely no reason. Eat, sleep, and be merry because tomorrow we die. That's what Father Harding goes on to say. We're living in the laziest society of human history. Americans actually work the least. Americans eat the most. Americans sleep the longest. Americans exert themselves the least with their bodies. American bodies live longest of any major nation in the world. Oh, how we cater our bodies continually. He says, I repeat, we too are to have an ascension, but there is a condition that we use our bodies by sacrificing them, that we use our bodies to suffer with them, that we use our bodies in joining with Jesus Christ and undergoing his passion, death, so that like him, having risen from the dead, we too will one day ascend up to heaven. So that same movement, understanding that when Adam, in a sense, he was losing faith in God when he obeyed Eve to take that apple. The same, and then he was moving towards unbecoming. The same thing is now happening in our society. When we turn away from God, God's authority, we turn towards unbecoming, towards non-beginning. Our, our being begins to unravel. And we see this in our thoughts. You know, we, we really cannot even define in our society what a male or a female is anymore. Right? Words are losing their meaning, which is a very, because we live out of the words we use. And the reason we're, words are losing their meaning is because once words lose their meaning, there is no more truth. Everything is purely subjective. And when everything is subjective, I don't have to conform myself to any external truth. Truth is adequatio re and intellectus, St. Thomas says. Truth is the conformity of my mind to the thing in reality. Once there is no objective thing in reality, there's just my own feelings, my own desires, all I'm left to do is conform myself to what I want at every single moment. And that's why human bodies are losing their meaning. Sex itself has no meaning except pleasure. And that's why really we have this insane body positivity movement that is going on in, our, in the West today. Right? So instead of obesity now is now the norm, and rather than saying we should diet, we should work on our bodily health, we should eat less and exercise more, say, well, let's just call it beautiful. Let's put it on, on ESPN magazine. Let's put it on, on all the ads and just say, well, this is the new norm. This is the new beautiful. Because we're no longer conforming ourselves to truth. We're no longer conforming ourselves to heaven. We're just conforming ourselves to our own comfort. And we're denying the ability to make the sacrifice. That's the exact reason why celibacy is being put into question, even by church members. <coughs> because once you lose faith in heaven, what's the point of making that sacrifice? So we will sacrifice our bodies. We'll conform ourselves to truth only to the degree that we have faith in Jesus Christ, faith that he is in heaven, faith that I need to sacrifice myself, that I need to make my own pains in order to reward, in order to merit heaven. We should never forget that. They say if you scratch an American Catholic just deep enough, what you usually find is a Protestant. 
Like we're all infected little by little by Protestantism, the idea that we do not have to merit anything. Jesus Christ merited everything for us, absolutely true. But Jesus also said, unless you do as I do, you cannot enter heaven. Unless you forgive your brother from your heart, neither will my Father forgive you of your transgressions. Even the heart of the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Our salvation is conditional, and we have to merit it. And the ascension in itself is a reminder of the sacrifice that we must undergo in our own bodies in order to merit heaven. I'll just end with a quote by St. Augustine. St. Augustine, all of his teaching can really be brought down to desire, and that's what we're talking about here. Because our desires follow our love, and our love will follow the degree of our faith. To the degree I have faith in Christ, faith in the bodily resurrection, I will love him, and my desires will follow him. To the degree that I, I doubt that, then I, my love will lessen, and then what will happen to my desires? They will go to this earth. I will just be focused on what I can satisfy here and now. And so St. Augustine said that, all of human history can be encapsulated in two worlds, two cities, the city of God and the city of man. He said what separates the city of God and the city of man is the city of man is those who are looking to satisfy their deepest desires here on earth. And the city of God is those who have, set, who have come to believe in heaven through Christ and are willing to sacrifice their desires here and now to live in the desire for heaven. So we can pray as Christ again, once again, descends to be with us on this very altar. And every single mass is a representation of that same Paschal mystery. Christ descent, his entering into his passion and death, and then the ascension, the lifting up of the now consecrated host and the precious blood back to the Father through him and with him and in him. O God, Almighty Father, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. That is the representation of the ascension back to the Father. And when we ourselves receive his body and blood in, into our own hearts, he can live out that same mystery in every single one of us. So let us call to mind, where are the places in myself that I am clinging to this earth, that I am tempted to love this world more than God, where my desires are just finding themselves seeking more what is before me rather than what is above me and ask Christ himself to live out his ascension with my own heart.